Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You are entering the news vault from KCBS Radio. Flames and the smoke. I have a tape recorder in my hand. Well, nobody would think of doing that. The newsmen were blocking the door. It worked for a couple of seconds. Bringing the sounds of history back to life. Here is your host, Stan Bunger. And welcome back to the podcast. Just a quick reminder, please follow, like, and subscribe wherever possible. And your positive reviews are useful, too, because they help others find the News Vault podcast. And the more, the merrier, we like to say. Now, you've no doubt heard or seen a variation of this phrase somewhere over the years. The phrase, interminable boredom punctuated by moments of terror. Well, it's been used to apply to everything from war to flying an airplane. I've even seen it used to apply to the process of getting a Ph.D. And I'm here to tell you, it sort of applies to anchoring an all-news radio newscast as well. The reality of all-news radio is live, local, 24-7. And there are long periods of time where not much is happening in the moment. Those are the periods of boredom. The moments of terror come when something big happens. And... It's never any bigger than when it happens literally in your own backyard. For this episode, and the first of several episodes in a row here, we're going to do a bit of a series within the podcast series, we'll take you back to the summer of 1981. August 25th, 1981, to be precise, the day a construction crew punctured a 16-inch natural gas pipeline about a block away from KCBS's Embarcadero Center Studios in San Francisco. For many years, the radio station's studios, newsroom, and offices were on the 32nd floor of the number one Embarcadero high-rise. There was a big garage below the building to get to work. You often had to park in the garage, ride an elevator up to lobby level, then ride another elevator up to the building itself. And that also meant sometimes heading out on a story meant a long elevator ride down, another elevator ride to the news car, and out you went. Anyway, on August 25th of 1981, 30,000 people wound up being evacuated as this natural gas leak went on for hours and hours and hours. And the evacuees included everybody at KCBS, including the on-air staff and everyone in the newsroom. Now, what happened next was fascinating. It took a great deal of ingenuity, a great deal of stick a little bit of luck, and some remarkable work by a team of KCBS journalists who did the best they could under very challenging situations. What we have here in this first episode in a series of episodes around the August 81 gas leak is an edited version of live coverage going on that afternoon. What's the absolutely worst thing that can happen to a major market radio station right in the middle of its popular afternoon interview program? Well, the series of events that involved all of us at KCBS one afternoon last August come pretty close to being every news director's nightmare. News magazine's Lila Peterson interrupted her interview with U.S. Senator S.I. Hayakawa, noticing something wasn't quite right. 
I'm Lila Peterson, the KCBS News Magazine, my guest, Senator S.I. Hayakawa. If you can hear that noise behind me, it sounds like a huge blowtorch. There's some construction going on outside, and that's what that is. Every, every now and then we hear strange sounds on the news magazine, courtesy of the construction people. We have to uh, um, stop programming for a few minutes here at KCBS San Francisco. We'll be back on the air uh, shortly. We are evacuating the building. As Lila and the rest of us soon found out, drilling equipment had caused a major gas line break at a construction site across the street from our KCBS studios. And we were literally sitting on what would be the major local story of the year, the catastrophe of a major gas leak engulfing San Francisco's financial district. Within minutes, Senator Hayakawa and the KCBS staff were climbing down 32 flights of stairs to the street, along with some 40,000 other employees forced to evacuate San Francisco's high-rise office buildings. Members of the news radio staff regrouped on a nearby street corner. Newly appointed news director Charlie Serafin arrived on the scene and flagged down a passing mobile unit. For the next three hours, the Ford Fiesta and its 15-watt two-way would serve as the station's broadcast studio, as KCBS reporters with handheld walkie-talkies covered the danger zone. Scarcely 20 minutes after the scramble for the stairwells, KCBS was back on the air. For the next three hours, reporters graphically described the gas leakage and provided on-site advice on traffic patterns for pedestrians and motorists. They interviewed civic leaders who came to the danger area to set policies for maintaining safety within the city. Later in the afternoon, KCBS moved to the Knob Hill studios of KSFO and set up a link to simulcast sister station KNX News Radio from Los Angeles. KCBS takes pride in the world-famous electronic newsroom, but on that afternoon, we went from high technology to no technology at all, all in a matter of minutes. Without scripts or studio backup, the KCBS news team proved its mettle and gave the Bay Area continuous on-the-scene coverage of the gas leak emergency. We want to share with you these excerpts from that KCBS coverage. Okay, we're broadcasting live now from the financial district of San Francisco, uh, a gas main apparently has broken here, and uh, all the staff of news radio is out on the street. We're having to do this report from our remote units because our transmitter was temporarily off the air because of this major uh, disaster here in downtown San Francisco. The Embarcadero One Center, where we are normally located and where we broadcast from, has been completely evacuated. We'll try to keep you up to date here around the Bay Area from our vantage point quite near this major gas main break in the financial district of downtown San Francisco. Steve Little is out in the crowd somewhere. Steve, can you read us? Charlie, I can read you. I'm standing at the corner of California and Battery Street, and I think you were correct in, uh, in your statement just a second ago that uh, they are making some progress with stopping this leak. Uh, here at the corner of California and Battery, the, the smell of gas was, was extremely pervasive just a little while ago, but now it has lightened up some, and I see a man who's working in a, in a manhole here, and I have Sergeant Fawaz uh, with me, and I think maybe he can uh, better tell us what the situation is now and how serious it is. Uh, Turner Construction Company, in conjunction with Pomeroy, Pomeroy, was uh, drilling tiebacks underneath Battery Street, uh, just up from Sacramento, and they struck a uh, 16-inch high-pressure PG&E gas line. PG&E has been unable to uh, seal the high-pressure pipe off. Usually what they do is go down and they'll turn off a valve either side. For some reason, which I don't know, they have been able to do that until now. So what we've done is we've evacuated all the buildings that face on the area that might possibly endanger should an explosion occur. Right. And we're keeping all traffic and people out of the area until we do that. How serious is the possibility that there could be an explosion now? I don't know. It looks to me like most of the gas is bending upward. 
which is okay, but if there's anything trapped down in there, which I can't see from here, there could be a considerable danger. KCBS News Radio 74 in San Francisco reporting live from the Financial District as we've been forced out of our studios this afternoon by this major gas line break here at the corner of Sacramento and Battery in downtown San Francisco. As Bob Agnew just told us, the Embarcadero centers have now been evacuated, so we're forced out of our studios, and we're going to stay with you live on the scene until they can get a handle on this thing. And Wilson Van Alts, are you out there again? I was real interested in your analysis of why they had to reopen that gas main after shutting it off. The essence of it is, as long as you've got pressure coming down the gas lines, if there were to be a fire, it would be contained at that one location. In fact, I've seen a fire very much like that, a fire when a 12-inch main broke down at uh, the Kaiser plant, the Kaiser cement plant in Cupertino. There was a man on a bulldozer there who uh, severed a gas main, and apparently the uh, sparking plugs or whatever from his bulldozer, or perhaps just the heat of the exhaust of that machine, did start a fire. Those flames were going 90, 100, 120 feet up in the air at one point, but they were confined to that one location only because there was pressure inside the system, meaning that the fire could only be in one place. Once that pressure was abated, the fire had the chance of spreading back inside the pipe, and were that to happen in the downtown network of gas systems in San Francisco, there could be explosions or fires or anything else virtually anywhere inside that system. And that's why PG&E has to maintain some kind of positive pressure, forcing all the gas or whatever they use to try and flush the system later toward one location to try and uh, prevent that backup of flames from happening if flames were to break out. We all know, we all have to know how lucky we were today that there were never flames associated with this, that nothing caught on fire so far, and that indeed is surprising to me. I'll tell you, I, I was out on the sidewalk trying to do a report on all that was going on when a man very casually walked by with a cigarette in his hand. It took about two seconds for me to say, please take that out of your mouth and put it out, and he did, but again, we are very fortunate that so far there have been no flames. Diane Callis here, do you read me? Yeah, Diane, let's go on the air with you. Uh, where are you located? I'm at the corner of Sansom and Sacramento, and you were talking just a moment ago, or, or Melrose or Van were talking just a moment ago about evacuations. Not only are the Embarcadero Center buildings evacuated, but as well many buildings along Sansom here. All the employees of the Federal Reserve Building are sitting out on the steps, uh, kind of milling around the real casual sort of air, amazingly so, with this danger that's less than a block away. The sound here is... Still deafening, although I did hear when, when you mentioned that it had been shut down some, a little bit of drop in the level of the but still I think the sound is being tunneled down the canyons between these tall buildings and making it very loud here. People are stopping, asking questions, and then kind of wandering on their way, but it is really a very unusual afternoon. This is Diane Callis reporting live from the corner of Sacramento and Sansom. We're sitting in the mobile unit right now, and on our windshield here... Uh we are seeing little droplets of what must be gas. It's everywhere in the air, and I'm wondering what the health effect is going to be. We see policemen that are uh, keeping the area cordoned off that are standing around. They have no type of protective breathing apparatus whatsoever, and they're within a half a block of, of that leak. There are probably less than six valve turnoff points to be, uh, to be addressed, and uh, we don't know how many they've checked so far or, uh, or just what the situation is, but... Uh, I sort of got a line on a supervisor now and get him in just a minute. Thank you very much, Steve Little, and I want to point out to you, too, don't get too close in there, buddy, because it's, this is a dangerous situation. Don't go breathing any more of this gas than you have to. And a couple of updates here from our vantage point. We've just learned that, uh, uh, according to Larry Cooper, who's talked to somebody from PG&E, they have turned off the gas valve 
And what we see in the now that's uh, coming out, this foggy kind of substance, is residue from within the, the gas system itself. As we said earlier, the gas mains are a huge network underneath the entire financial district. They're all tied together. And it's been very difficult, apparently, for PG&E to isolate the exact source of the flow and where the leak is and what mains should be shut off to affect that. We can tell that the smell now is a little different. It smells kind of... It smells like burning rubber. With me now is uh, Don Mosley. It's an eerie feeling heading down 32 floors of a stairwell, the smell of escaping gas coming through the vent system. At each floor, dozens more joined our nervous cavalcade, some pressing forward, others taking each step reluctantly as their leg muscles became more and more rubbery. I found myself walking along with Senator Hayakawa, who's been a guest on KCBS when the emergency developed. Are you a jogger, Senator, I asked. Not tomorrow morning, that's for certain, he answered somewhat breathlessly. Certainly the Senator in his 70s kept up with the human tide and never complained about the long hike downwards. As we progressed, the Embarcadero Center loudspeakers offered conflicting advice. First, they shouted, use the stairway. Well, we were already on the stairway. But as the steps became more and more jammed with newcomers at every floor, the loudspeaker yelled, use the elevators. That chance, all the doors in the corridor were locked. On and on we went, 25, 24, 23. Senator Hayakawa smiling at well-wishers along the way, even stopping to shake hands. My God, I thought to myself, the building's blowing up and he's campaigning. Finally, at floor eight or nine or someplace, the door opened, the security guard waved us into the corridor, and an elevator shot us down to the lobby. Don't run, said a workman running by. Don't worry, I thought. After all that downhill stumbling, I'm not about to jog, run, hurry, gallop, or fly. I'm sitting right here and thinking of how I almost asked an elderly U.S. senator to carry me the rest of the way. This is Don Mosley looking across the street at my office. With me now is Steve Little, who was just over talking to some of the officials who are trying to come to grips with this major problem this afternoon. Steve? Charlie, all I can say at a time like this, I'm sure that uh, most reporters feel the same way, that you wish you knew more about the technical side of what is actually happening. We'd like to know more about gas mains right now. We'd like to know more about how, how gas flows. Uh, it's something we take for granted every, every day. We use it, uh, but we don't know anything about it. Right now, gas is... If you were standing at the corner, you think it's strong here. If you were standing at the corner of Front Street and Sacramento, uh, the smell of gas would, would just, might just consume you. It's, uh, it's gushing out over there, and uh, even though they, they think they have a handle on it at this point, they, they, they think they know where to go and what to do when they get there, uh, the actual process of doing it is going to take some time, and uh, our building has been singled out. Uh, apparently, floors 4 through 14 are highly combustible for some reason or another. I don't really understand it at this point. Uh, the chief really didn't have time to explain it. But apparently, after all of this situation is secured, they will have to go through the building floor by floor uh, to uh, secure it further before we can actually occupy it again. So I'm not even sure if uh, people will, will be uh, filing back into number one Embarcadero Center today before the uh, workday is over. Yeah, and again, it's because of the, the uh, combustibility, I imagine, the content of gas on those floors. Right, and I don't fully understand it. As Chief Condom told us a few moments ago, a total of 19 buildings down here have been evacuated. I never cease to be amazed at how people will handle a crisis situation. Business is going on right down on California Street. There's a lady selling flowers. There are people buying flowers. Uh, there are people sitting there eating their lunch. Uh, I saw one girl, uh, one, one woman uh, dressed in, uh, in a very business-like uh, attire, blowing bubbles. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just amazing. Diane? 
For about the last hour, I've been standing at the intersection of Sacramento and Sansom, where pedestrians were allowed to mill around freely across the street. Traffic was allowed through. In just the last few minutes, the area has been closed off completely by the yellow police lines. No pedestrians are being able to are being allowed to cross. I myself was moved back a half block to the corner of Commercial and Sansom Avenue. One told me the reason for that move was that this was the potential blast avenue. I myself didn't much like the sound of that, the potential blast avenue. He said that we have come now to a very critical time in this dangerous situation, and that's why they were clearing that particular street. Now, that's a, a block straight away from the break, and evidently they feel if indeed this thing would blow up, that that is where the force of the explosion would go, is up that street. Larry, uh, what are the plans for KCBS this afternoon? Well, uh, this gives us a good chance to try our emergency earthquake plan uh, in that uh, we're now contacting uh, KSFO, Golden West, uh, whom we cooperate with in, uh, in case of an earthquake, and uh, we trade studios back and forth uh, depending on who is able to, to function. So right now we're working on uh, trying to go back up to KS, go up to KSFO and use one of their studios. And then uh, we'll get back into some regular type programming. Of course, we won't be able to get back to our newsroom and back to uh, all the uh, uh, news materials that we have up there. So later on this evening, we will uh, simulcast uh, from our sister station in Los Angeles, KNX Radio. And of course, we'll keep you up to date with what's going on uh, in the situation here in the Bay Area. Larry, we still see an awful uh, lot of gas, it seems to me, coming out. They told us, oh, gee, a half an hour ago that it would be 10 minutes and it would uh, be abated, but it hasn't. Now, they say that's all residue. Everything that's uh, still in the pipes uh, yet to come out. So this could go on for a while. It's also uh, They also tell us that uh, there's no way we're going to get back into our uh, Embarcadero 1, where our studios are, uh, tonight, because of pockets of gas within that building. Bob Melrose is standing just about 20 feet away from me, and uh, he's got someone there uh, to talk with, and uh, with a little more information, I'm sure. Uh, thank you, Steve. Uh, standing next to me is the acting mayor, Supervisor Lee Dolson. Uh, Mr. Acting Mayor, is there anything you'd like to say to the people of San Francisco right now? Well, I think that, uh, once again, any person who works in Embarcadero 1, 2, or 3 has uh, at least one bright spot today, and that is they certainly most certainly have the rest of the day off. And uh, whether or not they'll be able to get their cars out of any garages this afternoon, I wouldn't chance it. Uh, it's going to be quite a while before these streets are less than slippery to the point where there'll be many, many accidents uh, if uh, they try to move cars at this particular point. We were told about an hour ago that that gas main would be shut down. It's uh, now an hour later. The gas main still shows no signs of being shut down. One of the real problems also is the communication and the transportation into this area. We're really going to need an awful lot of work on communications. For example, had we had some messages uh, that could have gone out on the air, uh, maybe a half an hour or an hour ago uh, to your listeners uh, that reassured them that it wasn't uh, going to be a major catastrophe. It's bad enough, of course, but it, there wasn't going to be a major catastrophe, and all those uh, citizens who were standing around waiting to go back to work in these buildings could uh, start for home, I think we'd have had far less problems than we have right now. Are you going to make some sort of recommendation to the full board and obviously to Mayor Feinstein when she gets back in town as to exactly what happened and give her a full report on the incidents that have taken place today? 
You better believe it, and I think our mayor will be on top of the situation, and I think that she will ask for the appropriate funding for the uh, uh, disaster office in the city. This is uh, ridiculous. We're going to close our door here. we got all kinds of reporters trying to interview us. Lila, it's a strange situation. The TV cameras have been by several times. We want to say thank you, by the way, to whoever's flying the helicopters for the TV station. They have uh, pulled out of this area, and it's helped our uh, vantage point and situation a whole lot. Our lungs as well. Lungs it's uh, sending the, ga the gas over this direction and now it's uh, the gas plume is still coming up from the uh, the gas main, the broken main at Sacramento and Battery, but it's much better to have it going up away from us toward the ferry building. This is Charlie Serafin reporting that at last we have a breath of fresh air. And boy, it sure was a uh, long way to this afternoon. Uh, again, we only have a visual confirmation, but we can tell you visually that at least for the time being, the gas main has been shut down. The gas is not escaping into the air anymore. We've got plenty of it around in the air that we can breathe, but you can just, you can feel it in the air. It's lightening up. We're getting a mixture of oxygen with our gasoline, and what a relief. Let me tell you, here's a guy who's been breathing a whole lot of it this afternoon. Steve Little, uh, it, it looks like it shut down finally. It looks like it shut down, Charlie. All we see is a faint, faint little trickle, and uh, it's a welcome relief. Uh, we've got it in our lungs, in our hair, our clothes, uh, and uh, it has been, uh, this has been a very uh, remarkable experience. It's hard to believe that uh, this can happen, uh, but of course, uh, uh, Lila asked a question a few moments ago, uh, uh, if she believed that we had been given uh, uh, erroneous information, or, you know, it's difficult to answer that question, uh, All we can, and we, we hesitate to make any accusations. All we know is that most of the information about this, uh, this problem today has come from DG&E, the fire department has acted on that information, and uh, everyone in the police department, everyone has been acting on the information that PG&E has disseminated. At one point, uh, I think almost an hour ago, they said that the leak had been capped, and uh, that all we were seeing was the residual gas escaping. Uh, Ken McElroy of Cal OSHA made an observation about 20 minutes ago that he thought that that was impossible, that uh, that, uh, that much gas could not be escaping uh, if, as, as residue, as residual uh, leakage, if the, if the valves had been capped. And, uh, of course, now we found that they had not they had not been capped. So these are questions we'll have to put to PG&E. If they did give out erroneous information, and if so, why? Okay, Lila Peters. That's another question I had, Steve, that you said earlier on, maybe an hour ago, when you came back over to the mobile unit about the construction workers at the site itself at, at uh, Sacramento and Battery saying that this thing is much more serious and it's dangerous down here and nothing to fool around with. And you didn't get, did you get any statement, clear statement like that from the officials who've been wandering around the scene down here? Most everyone that we talked to this afternoon who was in any position of authority gave us the impression that there was a possibility that uh, this situation, that, that there could be explosions, but they talked about it as if it were a remote possibility or, or if they just kept control of the situation that uh, it couldn't happen. But... Uh, as we sat and looked at it close up, the situation always looked much more serious than uh, we were told. I've just learned that we're working right now in an attempt to uh, fix up a line between uh, uh, KCBS and our sister station, KNX, in Los Angeles. And when we have that uh, work complete, we are going to go to KNX, and KNX will uh, broadcast their programming over our airways. So not to be confused, KNX is uh, CBS News in Los Angeles, and I'm sure they're talking about the same things down there that we're talking about here, and we will uh, interrupt uh, periodically if we can to update you.
from the uh, KCBS news control here temporarily in the studios at KSFO and getting all those call letters straight is a kind of a trick in itself. But uh, as you listen throughout the evening and perhaps into the morning tomorrow, we're really unsure of the timetable of when we can return home to our studios in Embarcadero Center Number 1. But uh, in the meantime, our sister station, KNX in Los Angeles, will be helping out. And uh, if you keep tuned to News Radio 74, you'll know it all. Uh, from Los Angeles, from San Francisco, from KSFO's studios, uh, from a mobile unit on the street, wherever we happen to be, we're there, and uh, that's why we're And also here. on KCBS-FM uh, this evening, since we've had to take over their facilities as well as KCBS-AM. And any time I think you're ready to go to Los Angeles, we have the facilities and we can bring them in. KNX News Radio Time, 638. And just so listeners of KCBS in San Francisco won't be a bit confused right now, KNX News Radio is simulcasting with sister station KCBS at this hour. KCBS employees were forced to evacuate their studios in one Embarcadero Center this afternoon because of a gas main break. And they will not be able to return to the station for several hours. Instead, KNX News Radio will be providing... San Francisco listeners with our air until KCBS can return to normal operations. So if you are driving across the Golden Gate Bridge right now, and I am sitting here saying that the temperature is 89 degrees in Los Angeles, please do not get confused. This is KNX Los Angeles and KCBS, KCBS-FM San Francisco. Now CBS News covers the world at 7 o'clock. CBS News. Remember to follow the News Vault from KCBS Radio on social media. On Facebook, we're at News Vault Podcast. On Twitter, find us at News Vault SF. On Instagram, we're at News Vault. Until our next episode, you are leaving the News Vault from KCBS Radio. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.